Welcome to Try with Ping. This is Ping Robert, and in this podcast, we will cover a range of different topics from culture, languages, and underrepresented stories. Join me with a cup of chai and listen to these stories. Welcome back to Chai with Ping. Today, I have a guest who is coming back. She recorded、um, some time ago, and then she came back to the show because we want to talk about non-faith. Let's welcome Shasha. Hello, Ping.、Yay. You're just so much fun to talk to. I had to come back. I, I enjoy talking to you too. <laughs> Before we get more cheesy <laughs> and cheeky, what is non-faith for you? Absolutely, I think. This is something I've thought about for a really long time,、um, and I think for me, non-faith is just really the absence of an organized religion. Because, and I'll kind of go into this a bit later. I definitely still feel spiritual as a person, but I just have never felt a connection to the notion that there is a creator, or that there is a God, a single thing that created all of us and judges us and expects us to behave a certain way. That's that's non-faith for me. <laughs> I just took a screenshot, so that's why it took me so t- some some time to unmute myself. But then I was thinking, what was the journey for you before you? Because、um, I thought I thought like you told me that you, your mom were like Roman Catholic or something as Russians. Isn't、mm-hmm. that like a common practice for you guys? And then so like, what's the journey before you became? Um, affiliated or have the notion of non-faith? Yeah. So in Russia, we actually practiced Russian Orthodox Christianity, which is like super intense Christianity. And my family went through, you know, the, the era of communism where there was no religion. But、um, after talking to my mom, she told me that it's it was really just kind of hidden religion, and everyone was still being baptized and still very religious. Just it wasn't talked about. So I think. In my family, at least, it's it's a very deeply ingrained thing that the relationship with God is something that has endured oppression, and so me kind of abstaining from it is unusual. And I think there's an underlying assumption that I will come to God at some point in my life, and that's just not really where I am right now. And I suppose for me, it was never. Hard to say that I didn't want to be Christian because my mom didn't particularly raise me to be very intensely religious. Like we went to church on Easter, <laughs> that was kind of it. And、um, she's pretty into religion. Like she does the Great Lent, where she like abstains from food for like a long time, good few months or something. And yeah, it's super intense. She's really into it.、Um, but yeah, she never forced it on me or my sister, and so we kind of aren't religious. And after going to college and meeting my partner, who came from a religious household, I've sort of understood better the way I want to have a relationship with the world, and that's not through believing that there is someone who I need to please. I guess that's kind of that's a very biased way of saying it, but that's sort of how I see it.、Um, more as like a connection with the earth rather than with a single creator. Yeah. Oh wow! So. So, what do you believe in your creation? Like, if you don't believe there's a creator, where does life come from for you? I actually recently read the Dalai Lama's book on life and spirituality, and it was a really cool sort of way to think about the notion that we all come from the earth. 
And so we are all connected in that sense. And in Buddhism, there is, there's no God, essentially. But there is sort of a spiritual connection with everything on earth. And that's sort of what I think, what I understood the Dalai Lama to be saying as our expect, our, um, not expectation, our, what is the word you say when you have, our obligation to each other. That's kind of our, (laughs) our obligation to each other as human beings that we, we, we feel a connection with one another. And through that we have empathy and compassion. Um, And yeah, yeah. I did that answer your question. I don't know. I just kind of. That's fine. That's fine. No, no, no. It's so fascinating. I, I want to hear more about the book that you read. What is the ideology behind? Because Dalai Lama is like Tibetan Buddhist, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a little bit different from the Buddhist Buddhism that I know from Taiwan. Mm. So like, what is his notion? If there's no God, then our lives, like you already talked a little bit about that. It's like, we need to keep ourselves accountable for each other. Um, then is there anything more? Yeah, from what I understood in his book, he talks a lot about his responsibility as the Dalai Lama, um, the 13th, I think, incarnation, to bring peace to the world and to the Tibetan people. And he kind of says that he will continue to come back to the earth until he has accomplished his goal of bringing peace. And yeah um i guess from what i understood for buddhists there's no i don't know i don't know how to i guess it's just like i'm still very much exploring this but um yeah it's it's i don't know i don't know how to answer that question that's fine that's fine and what resonates you the most from that book I, i think you already answered some part of it it's like you agree with like us coming out from the earth but mm-hmm. there's no god um is there anything else yeah i guess i i mm, i suppose i've had trouble understanding like why there has to be a god because i've i've talked to quite a few of my friends who um are religious and they're sort of saying to me like you're almost there like you believe in the connection of all people and that we have a responsibility why don't you believe that one thing created everything and i guess i'm just sort of stuck at at the notion of like why does one thing have to create everything and yeah i've also been doing a lot of like meditation and an inner exploration yeah. and that sort of led me to, <laughs> to believe searching, right <laughs> exactly yeah the quarantine has yeah. gotten me <laughs> but like led me to believe that we do have a responsibility to one another as people and and maybe that that is what differentiates us from other beings on this earth that we have this conception of a greater thing I don't know. It's very kind of up in the air for me. And I'm just kind of like, who knows? Maybe there is something. Maybe there's not. It sounds like you're okay with the blurriness. Yeah. Like, because for my personality, like, I always seek for an answer. So, like, if things are blurry and unknown, that makes it, like, really hard on me. But then, yeah. yeah, go ahead. You know, that's kind of what I struggled with, with like organized religion was that there are no answers to some questions. And that was the reason that I started to look for other things, because questions of like, why did 
God decide? Why didn't God do this? Why why did God decide to do this? And I don't. That, that's kind of what led me to these more general concepts of the notion that we are all human and that we are connected through that humanness and that we have a responsibility to take care of each other and the earth. Like those are concrete for me. They're they're, they're very broad in general, but there's something I can stand on. Whereas with like Christianity, when other organ, I just couldn't. There was nothing for me to stand on. You know. What do you think about that? Hmm. Yeah, good question. Because I'm a Christian, and now we're turning this as a dialogue. <laughs> it's important. I want to hear yeah. you. Yeah. Let me. So let 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 me see if I understand your question correctly. You're asking how I believe there's a God, or how do I connect with it? Yeah, kind of. What is the ground you stand on? What What do you come back to with your faith? Good question. Um. My background is like I grew up in a Christian family. However, being a Taiwanese, only 5% of people or even less in a lot of areas are Christian. So then we are this tiny little <laughs> unique group of people. My parents didn't force us to, like me and my brother, to become Christians. But then I chose to be when I was 12. Um, and I got baptized and all that. I think there are a lot of logical answers that I can provide to listeners and you. But for me, most importantly, is that I, had a, I have a relationship with my creator. I know that Jesus Christ loves me and there is a purpose for my life. And also, I know where I'm coming from. I know where I'm going to. And that gives me a huge assurance because at the age of like maybe 11 and 12, I start asking my parents, why do we live in on this world? Like, in this world, if our life is only about testing. Because like in Taiwan, the educational system is quite stressful. I don't know about here, but like I felt very challenged. I hate math. I am not interested in learning nothing but like English and like humanity subjects. So then like I have a lot of struggles with science, chemistry, history, geography, and math and all that. But then when I went into junior high, there are a lot of tests. And every day, it's a pile of test sheets. And I'm like asking myself and my parents and God, it's like, if my life's purpose is only take these tests, why am I even here? Right? And, and so there was like this urge of like searching for an answer. And I think I found it when I talked to pastors and um, the friends at church is just like, I know that I'm loved and I'm created for a purpose. And that's so important. Like those temporary hmm, hardships, difficulties or trials on this earth is not the end of my story. Like, and I, I look for the glory and the hopes at the end of this life. And, and, you know, I, you probably have heard that when you baptize, then you have a new life, like you kind of have the resurrection with Jesus Christ and all that. And for me, it's like, it doesn't start when I die. It starts right at that moment. Like I can always have a new life, a new beginning with a loving God. Um, and there, like, I guess I am a little bit professionist. So like, I don't, I have a very high standard for myself. And then I fail all the time, right? Because we're not perfect. And then I will be like really frustrated and angry and upset. It's like, why do I make all these mistakes and all that? But then when I go back to the Bible, I know like he is a loving brother and it's okay to make mistakes. And then we can always come back to him. 
Um, so I think that's the relationship that I have with Jesus and, and that keeps me ongoing. But like, seriously, I don't know a lot of answers and like the ones that you're wondering about, it doesn't mean that I don't doubt with my faith. It's a journey. And then I think every time I experience something or I got confirmed with something like in my life, um, then it also confirms my faith. Any questions for me? <laughs> I feel like I'm talking a <laughs> no, lot. <laughs> that was beautiful. No, no. And it, it really sounds like it came from hardship that you experienced as a young person and sort of yeah. looking for your greater purpose, which is super cool. Yeah. Yeah. So then, then that leads my question to you because I felt like you also mentioned that you are still wondering and still like there's a lot of unknown happening, but like, do you find challenges in those or it's just like, eh? Yeah, I think it's as a person who chooses to identify as atheist, which because I do, um, it's sometimes hard to relate really closely with people who are deeply religious because that's just like a fundamental aspect of humanity that we don't connect on at all. And especially with like people who are very important to me in my life, there's just like a fundamental rift, especially when that person's entire life is very centralized on religion and faith. And mine is the exact opposite. It just feels really hard to, to make that connection. And that's kind of sad because I personally believe that while faith is important and it's really good for you to root your life in it, I don't feel like it should be what defines other people for you. Other than in religions, that's exactly what should happen. You should seek other people of your own faith and be fruitful and multiply. But I don't know. I don't know. We just live in such a globalized world now where that's so much harder to just alienate someone based on their religion. And I mean, yeah. And since coming to university where Actually, you know what? I feel like I know more religious people now that I'm in university than I did in high school because my high school was very um, sort of liberal um, and I barely knew anyone that was religious or Christian. And I came to the University of Denver and there's a lot of conservative religious people and it's like a new environment for me, which is very interesting. Yeah. I have a question. Um, You said like you mentioned like um, some of the people who have their own religions that make you feel like you didn't put that word, but I'm thinking maybe it's like excluded. Yeah. That's a good way of describing it. Yeah. Was there a story or what exactly happened that you felt offended or hurt by those people and what happened? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, there was, um, it was just kind of a person in my life who I really wanted to connect with and who I wanted to like me a lot and just fundamentally that belief surrounding religion and my choice not to um, engage in religion and theirs too deeply and to deeply engage in it and to center their life around it um, just really created a rift in our relationship and sort of destroyed the mutual respect that is sort of expected in adult relationships and I suppose I, I definitely judged them on that basis. And they likely judged me. Um, and I think we both sort of assumed the worst of each other at times on the basis of faith and non-faith, them within the context of their religion and me outside of it. 
Yeah, it's, I think when it comes to things that are as divisive as faith, sometimes when there's not like a good dialogic situation in which you can talk about your experiences, it can really just devolve into this expectation of malintent. And it's really sad. And I don't know, I don't know how to get around that really as a people. And yeah, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it sounds definitely very difficult and challenging, especially like when your feelings are hurt by those people. Um, and then it sounds for me that you were judged because of your faith or non-faith, and that's it. Like, they don't care you as a person, and there's no other things that can be discussed. Yeah, exactly. And that's not even the fault of the religion, really, but mm-hmm. just the outlook of the person. And then unfortunately, they represent their religion to everyone yeah. else at that point. Wow. So do you also kind of take it as an offense? Like, so those people from those religions that when they offend you, and do you kind of judge back? What, what do you judge back? Like the right. person or the religion that they believe in? You know, that's hard because especially with religions that I haven't been exposed to as much, kind of like Buddhism and, um, oh my goodness, oh my goodness, Judaism. I don't, what is the, what is the Muslim religion? Oh my God, how do you say it? <laughs> Which one? <laughs> what Muslim people. Follow. Oh, Islam. Islam, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay, this is all candid. <laughs> Listeners, we're kindred. (laughs) There's no rehearsal. English is my second language. Be nice to me. (laughs) Um, Like, I haven't been exposed to those religions as much, so I think I'm more inclined to have an open mind towards people who ascribe to those faiths because I don't know a lot. But with people that I have been exposed to a lot of, which is Christians, I, I have sort of slowly developed ideas of what Christians do and who they are. And to me, they're a conservative white male in their 50s who's like a little racist, and who calls me Oriental sometimes, right? <laughs> this is a very what? specific person I'm talking about. I know, <laughs> I know. But anyway, that's, a, that's an experience I had with a conservative white male in his 50s. But yeah. he was Christian. But like, th- th- there was like little things that build up over time. And, and that's sort of what I've started to associate with Christianity. And that's what I'm yeah. trying to break down again, because that's not what Christianity is. Mm-hmm. Or who, and you are the, are the beautiful, shining example of that, uh, a young woman of color who is amazingly open and accepting, but also Christian. Yeah. Yeah, and I think the things that you're doing, like this podcast, are perfect for that and sort of breaking down those barriers. But yeah, I mean, like those experiences have built up for me. And so Christians haven't been a super nice bunch who are very accepting, which is ironic, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think, thank you, first of all. Um, I think from the dialogue retreat that I gained from is to hear you guys' stories as Americans and different people from around the world. But like, for me, I realized that Christianity in the West, Western world, it has become a form of oppression. And then for me, coming from the East, from Taiwan, I never thought of that because like, we, I feel I was oppressed a little bit at school because of my faith. Because most people don't believe in, in, in the same faith. They will go for Buddhism, Taoism, or a lot of multi-deity um, practices and all that. So did you encounter any other form of oppression from Christianity? You know, there's, I, it, it's, it makes me think a lot the fact that yours was sort of in 
a constant facing of oppression by being Christian. And mine is really the opposite, like constantly seeing religious imagery. And for me, I think just the notion that even legislation is becoming religious is frustrating for me. And like having to say the pledge, by the way, I don't know if you, I'm sure you knew that, but like non-American people, um, we have to say the Pledge of Allegiance every day in oh. elementary, middle, and high school. I heard about it. Can you tell us more? Yeah, yeah. So essentially, I think it's usually like right at the start of school. Everyone stands up and they put their hand over their left side of their chest and they recite the Pledge of Allegiance, which is, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. We would say that every single morning all the way through grade school. And I didn't realize that that was pretty cultish until I talked to people in other countries, but like, it's not normal. Um, And like having to say under God and like, and also me being like someone who comes from Russia, a different country and like being like super frustrated while I was saying it and like changing the words in my head. Like, it's just this really weird sort of form of silent protest, but just the underlying assumption and on our money, it says under God, and abortion is like heavily debated in Congress because of the religious connotation. And like, there's just these things that pervade my daily life with traditional notions of Christianity that can be frustrating. But it's also sort of intertwined with conservatism and America's past as a conservative country that sort of escaped religious prosecution from England it's just so so heavily tied into our history that it's hard to separate it yeah yeah Mm. and i was learning this in classes like lots of like people who are here for the longest time they happen to be christian and european descendants and all that and now they are making a lot of policy like so they set up the system right so then it's from their perspective however the, the, the U.S. is changing a lot more than before. Like more and more immigrants are here and the more and more culture, languages, religions are happening in the same land. Um, so, okay. Exactly. It's like yeah. the leadership isn't representing the needs of the, the greatest generation, which, is, which are the younger people. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Thank you for sharing. I mean, I learned a lot. Like I didn't think about a lot of aspects. Um, in that so like I think I also heard people saying that you know under God they there could be other gods as well so in a in a way it can be inclusive what do you think about that yeah I mean that's a great way to think about it like different type it doesn't specify under Mm -hmm. the Christian God it could be under any single God but it doesn't create space for people who believe in multiple gods or who don't believe in God yeah yeah wow But then again, like you can think in your own head, this is representing my God. But if you speak in a place that is represented by the words which you speak, wow, my God, I don't know what I just said. (laughs) If you you enter a space (laughs) where the people who vehemently believe in the words that you're saying, like under God, and you represent what would be, quote unquote, the wrong God, that would still not be okay. So. Mm. Right. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We're gonna just leave it open. We don't know the answers. Yeah. I like that's that. just some yeah, some discussion that we have. 
So like when you face all these challenges, how would you overcome them? Or what, what change of mindset do you have? The biggest thing I think has been learning like dialogic skills with you ping on the retreat. It was really helpful because speaking from experience and just not assuming what people are going through helps a lot. For example, just like talking with that person who's very important to me in my life, um, just about my beliefs and that it doesn't necessarily mean I have different core values. Like I think we can fundamentally agree on the fact that like murdering people is bad and we should try to be better people and we should always make other people happy when we can, but we just do it with different motivations. That person does it through God and I do it through um, the responsibility I have to other people and wanting to create more peace in the world. Yeah. Do you do you think I was just like after the retreat I some part of me has become frustrated because it does like yes we learned the dialogic skills but it doesn't mean the rest of the world know that <laughs> so then when I really have a dial one I want to have a dialogue with some people that I don't agree with a lot of things with but like they're not ready to do that and then they got they get like emotional and like offensive and uh, so for me it's just like can't continue that conversation mm-hmm. with you yeah so that that's just being hard for me to apply that in my life because not everyone is on the same level has yeah. it been for you yeah I think to respond to what you're saying it's it, but the fact that you're able to display those dialogic skills is already a good thing because people can sort of absorb that energy from you and take after your example in the future even if they don't respond yeah. that way in the moment like you're still doing a really good thing by using those skills yeah whenever you can I think yeah those skills and also just like additional conversational skills from this book called crucial conversations that we had to read yeah <laughs> in, yeah in one of my classes has just been really helpful for kind of guiding people mm-hmm. through that by asking like what has your experience been with that or what experience led you to say that and do you have do you think you have any underlying biases when you say that type of thing yeah i think yeah. yeah i used to always wonder if it would be possible for us to have a universal religion a single hmm. belief among all people and how does that look like for you and it looks impossible i really don't i really don't think so <laughs> and, and why don't you roots. think so yeah why um, don't you think that's gonna be <laughs> possible because to do that you would have to force other people to believe something they don't want to and or brainwash them type of thing because the fact of the matter is people are always going to be shaped by their experiences and the things that they take solace in will always be unique yeah and i think as long as we put enormous emphasis on the way that those beliefs are displayed we'll always have issues such as you know unfair legislation and preference towards people who are religious versus non-religious. Yeah. But I think people have to have that space to, to get their creature comforts, which everyone needs. Yeah. I, I have a question after the retreat is also like, great, we can have dialogues or conversations, but like when it comes to the decision, the policy making, who holds the power and what happens if those people who make the decision that and then we don't agree with them, right? I think that 
it's not about having dialogue or not. It's also about the decision after it's made, then how much impact it brings out to a greater community. And then so people are frustrated and angry and all that. So like right now um, I see on the news, like a lot of racial issues are happening and all that, but it's also because a lot of people who hold the power and they make that decisions, but like the people who are protesting and upset, they don't actually get a power. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I suppose if we get enough people on the dialogue train, we can sort of, Write it along. Through the democratic process, right? I know. Encourage people to go into office who represent our beliefs. And I mean, I I suppose that cycle will always continue. But here's hoping we get some more good conversational sort of deep skills in in office. I think we are. I think we're on the way. I think you're very positive about this. And then I I, I think (laughs) you'll agree with you because it's like awareness is the key. Like the first step right and then later we can talk about decision making but like (laughs) so you see the fundamental difference like between you and me it's like you're thinking this is positive that we can have the skills um and then i probably ride a train a little too fast to to have a conclusion saying like who's making the decision who has the power no you're asking the right questions though you're asking the perfect questions yeah before we end is there anything else you want to say i think i'm all right yeah cool all right, people, you can find Sasha just like last time. I will put the information in the episode note. Thank you so much, Sasha. Oh, thank you, Ping. Thanks for listening to Chai with Ping. Let us hear your voices and stories. Please share this episode, like, and follow us on Instagram at Chai with Ping. You can also email us at chaiwithping at gmail.com. Till next time. Mm-hmm.